Thank you. You may be seated. You'll see in your order of worship, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, but we're also going to read a little bit, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to read a little bit from Luke chapter 1 first. I don't know about for you, for me, these are on facing pages, so they're probably very close for you. We're going to start with Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45, and then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. Will you stand with me as we read God's word together? In those days... Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord would fulfill, what he has spoken to her. And over to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. In the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all of these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God. Read it. Believe it and live it. Let's pray. Your gracious God, as we come to you this morning, as we open your word to read what it has to say for us today, we pray that you would be with us. We pray that the same Holy Spirit that came on Elizabeth would be with us. We pray that your word would have the same clarity for us as the word of your messengers had to the shepherds in the fields where they were watching their flock. God, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, would be acceptable and pleasing to you, our God and our King. Amen. You may be seated.
We are in this season of Advent, the season of preparation. Our, our sermon series is, as you can see, behind me, entitled, Behold, a Savior is Born. It is this time of year when our, when our hearts and our minds begin to shift toward Christmas Day. We're, we're, we're leaving right after church. We're, we're headed up to Williamsburg where we'll meet Audrey's family and we will have the Beiser family Christmas this week because with me in the pulpit and with Dave in the pulpit, getting together at Christmas just doesn't work. And so we get together early. You know, we, we're thinking about, we're looking toward, we're, we're anticipating Christmas. We're, we're, we're anticipating the arrival of our Savior. Whether we are anticipating, celebrating his first arrival that happened 2,000 years ago, or whether we are anticipating his second arrival that will happen at some date in the future, this anticipation will often fill us with joy. Last week, we talked about hope. And, and the hope that fills our heart when we, when we think about the fulfillment of God's words to the prophet Isaiah. Words that we read last week, some more words from Isaiah that we read together today. And Isaiah, right, it's, it's written that, that God is going to give his people a sign. That God is going to give his people an, an anointed one, a Messiah, a Christ, who's going to come and save them. And for us, the wonderful news is that those signs have already come. That they have been fulfilled. And, and we celebrate that fulfillment every year at Christmas. That we are able to celebrate the arrival of, of Emmanuel, of God with us. But, but not only should Christ's arrival give us hope, not only did did the people in Isaiah's time have hope of the arrival of the Messiah? The, the arrival and the fulfillment of that hope continues to give us hope. But it also should bring us joy. You know, this is a time of year in which even the least tradition-oriented person has their own traditions, right? Right? I know all of you have, have a certain thing that you have to do over the course of the Christmas season or it's not really Christmas, right? Maybe it's, it's watching a certain movie or having a certain kind of cookie or, or having a, a certain meal on a certain day. I, I don't know what your tradition is, but we all have them, right? And many of us had traditions that we grew up with, some of which we carried into our families when we got married, but then we also have traditions that we forged together as, as families with our own spouses and children. You know, and those, those traditions can, can lead to some anticipation, right? Like, I know when the Christmas tree comes down out of the attic, I'm getting Chinese food. And I'm up at Christmas Carol, at least for the first time. There's a, several years ago, Audrey's mom, Julie, 
found this recipe, we in the tradition of the uh, uh, Grinch Who Stole Christmas refer to it as roast beast. It is, in fact, roast beef. But, but I will tell you, there is a lot of anticipation for this particular version of roast beast that Julie does every year at Christmas. And in that anticipation, right, it can bring us a lot of happiness and a lot of joy. We, we love these things because, because they, they tell us something, right? It tells us about what's coming. I mean, most of us, I, I don't know about you, I don't have any traditions that make me sad. Now, I have some traditions that might make me melancholy, but that's okay, I'm Irish. It's, it's part of my genetic makeup. But most of us, we have traditions, right? Because they bring us happiness and joy. And, and, and that anticipation of those traditions being fulfilled. As, you, as we look through the Bible, as we look through the biblical narrative, we can, we can see over and over again people who are waiting for the Messiah to be born. They have anticipation. They're looking for the signs. Now, they don't have any, any Christmas traditions yet, right? Because they haven't had Christmas. But they're, they're looking for the signs that Isaiah had told them would be coming. And over and over again, what we also see is that these people who are waiting and who are looking are marked by joy. Elizabeth is, is one. We read a little bit about her. We'll, read, we'll talk about her a little bit more here in a second. Mary is another. A little later in Luke, do you remember the, the two older folks who they meet? Anna and Simeon? Two, two folks who, who were so waiting for the arrival of God's anointed. And both, when they, when they see Jesus, when they see that the signs have been fulfilled, are filled with joy. You know, you would think that they'd be filled with despair, right? They've been waiting hundreds of years for the fulfillment of these prophecies. Hundreds of years waiting in anticipation. Generations waiting. But they're not filled with despair or with melancholy but with joy because they knew what the arrival of Jesus would mean not only for them but for the whole world. This brings us to our first point, that joy can be found in what will be and not just in what is. Joy can be found in what will be, not just what is. I think, I think it's easy for us to have joy in what is, right? When something is in front of us, it, it gives us joy. If we were all sitting here this morning and UGA had won that game last night and beat Bama and sent them to their place, we would all have a great deal of joy, wouldn't we? That's not what is. If you ever want to see joy at what is, go online and, and look for videos of kids opening presents on, on Christmas. And you see a joy in, in what is. I think we get that. 
I think we experience that pretty regularly. We understand joy in what is. But I think for a lot of us, we have a hard time finding joy in what will be. Luke gives some insight into the story of Jesus' birth that Matthew doesn't have and vice versa, right? And it's in Luke that we get the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah and the birth of John the Baptist. It's in Luke where we find out that the birth of John the Baptist was just as miraculous, although not in the same way, but just as miraculous as the birth of Jesus. And, 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 and we read, as we read today, right, we, uh, if we had gone back to the beginning of Luke chapter 1, we would have heard and read the story of the angel coming to Zechariah and telling him he's going to have a kid, and Zechariah basically laughing at him. And so the angel of the Lord sealing Zechariah's mouth, ladies, not an okay thing to pray for, no matter how much you want, for the Lord to seal your husband's mouth. And how Elizabeth finds herself pregnant. And then the story cuts to Mary and we, and we get the, the angel coming to Mary and telling Mary and we know that story. And what does Mary do? She gets up and she goes to this cousin, to Elizabeth. And as she comes, this, this baby inside Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And Elizabeth, we're told, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Elizabeth makes it very clear. She is filled with joy, and the baby has leapt inside of her because she knows, because the Holy Spirit has told her that the child that Mary is carrying is not just a miracle. The child that Mary is carrying is the Messiah, the anointed one the Savior. Just being in the presence of the prenatal Jesus had such a powerful effect on everyone that we're told that the glory of the Lord was present. Talk about pregnancy glow. And so Elizabeth praises Mary for her belief in God and her willingness to submit to the plan that, that, that God would be born into the world through her womb. But as you read it, you, you might be excused for thinking, what are they excited about? Nothing's happened yet. It's the... It's the joy of what will be. It's the joy of, of what will be. What if we, what can we experience in our lives today? What, 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 can, what, what if we experience joy today, not because of how things are, but because of what they can be and will be and might be in the future by the intervention of God? Elizabeth and John are rejoicing in what was going to result from Jesus' long-anticipated birth. 
Notice what Elizabeth said there in, in verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. She's, she's still speaking in future tense, isn't she? Mary is blessed because she trusted and believed in something that had yet to come to pass. She, she believed and trusted and found joy in the unfulfilled promise of God. Sometimes just anticipating God showing up can be enough to lift our spirits. I, I almost did not read to you the passage from Luke chapter two today. I almost had Linus read you the passage from Luke chapter two today. Right, because I mean that is, that is pure Bible. Not shown on television anymore. But, but if you think back about Charlie Brown Christmas, right, What's happening? Charlie Brown's having a hard time getting into the spirit of the holiday, isn't he? He, well, he's Charlie Brown, right? So he's a little, a little mopey, a little, a little draggy. He's, he's, he's upset about his sad little Christmas tree and the commercialization of the season. And then Linus says the second most profound thing that he says in the whole show. The first, of course, is when he quotes from Luke chapter two. But Linus says to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, you are the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Unfortunately, some of us Christians seem to have the same problem as Charlie Brown. We should be celebrating what Jesus' life, death, and resurrection could and does mean in our lives, but instead we're bemoaning all of the things that are found wrong in the season. We should be celebrating what Jesus has done for us, and instead we spend all of our time complaining about the world and the state of the world in which it finds itself. We, 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 could, we could be instruments and beacons of, of joy and light in the world, but instead we find every reason in the world to be drown trodden and gloomy and have the sad little Charlie Brown trombone follow us around. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, what would it look like if we found joy in the gift of God's presence in Emmanuel, in Jesus? Maybe, maybe you're waiting for God to do something in your life. Maybe, maybe you're anticipating the answer to a sorrowful prayer. But here's, here's the answer. Here's the truth. God is not done yet. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with this church. He's not done with this community. He's not done with this world yet. Because if he was done, we'd all be hearing trumpets. I don't know about you. I haven't heard any trumpets today. God is on the move. Whether we're Whenever, 
We are in his presence. Whether we're walking, when we're walking with Jesus, anything is possible. Just like Jesus' presence in Mary when she was near Elizabeth brought forth joy, his presence in our life should do the same thing for us. Which brings us to our second point. Good news brings great joy. Good news brings great joy. We've, we've seen Mary and Elizabeth and John and Jesus. Now we turn to another set of characters in this story. The, the shepherds. You've heard me talk about the shepherds before. You, you know the reality of shepherds. Shepherds were rough, dirty, smelly, untrustworthy, semi-vagrants. They were not members of polite society. They did not get up on Sabbath morning and put on a coat and tie and go down the street to First Church. They lived in the fields all day, every day. People, the respectable people, looked down their nose at them. The, the good, God-fearing synagogue goers had no time for the shepherds. And then God chooses them to be the first people outside of the immediate family to hear the news that the Messiah had been born. In the middle of the night, outside of Bethlehem, in a smelly, open field. And you know how I know it was smelly? Because there were sheep in it. An angel comes and stands before the shepherds. And, and then the glory of the Lord was around them. And the shepherds were justifiably terrified. I don't care how wonderful you think you are. If an angel of the Lord ever comes and stands before you, you are going to be terrified. And the angel brings them this, this message of great joy. It's, it's good news. It's gospel. Savior, the Savior, has been born. All of those years of anticipation, all of those years of asking when, all of those years of not knowing when it was going to, had come to an end, the Savior was here. You know, we never find any other story in Scripture about these shepherds. They just sort of disappear after this night. But I have to wonder where they were 33 years later. Were some of these shepherds in the groups that followed Jesus in his earthly ministry, did they remember who this, who this baby was? When Jesus came down out of Galilee and came down to Judah, did they remember 
Did they know that this was the baby they had gone to see because the angel had come to them? When, when just a few miles away in Jerusalem, he was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again, did they know? You know, Mark wrote that great song, Mary, did you know? I want to I follow up. Shepherd, did you know? You know, good news brings us great joy, doesn't it? I mean, sometime this afternoon, go home, pull up your phone, your computer, whatever it is that you, you look at videos and, and, and type in grandparents finding out about grandchildren. I mean, it's like my, one of my favorite subgenres of, of internet videos when kids tell their parents that they're going to be grandparents. And the joy, or a better yet, look up adoption videos. Videos of kids finding out that they're going to be adopted. Videos of stepdads being asked to adopt. Several years ago, my good friend Chris asked his recently stepdaughter, he and Nikki had just gotten married. He asked, he asked Annalie what she wanted for Christmas. Chris had been around for a while at this point, obviously. And Annalie looked at him and she said, I want you to adopt me. And let me tell you, if heaven and earth was not moved to make that happen, it didn't happen by Christmas. Good news brings us great joy. Why it's good news. And that's what happens, right? Verse 11. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Anointed, the Christ, the Lord. The shepherds are given reason to rejoice and spread the word because the Savior had come to earth. He is the Anointed One, the Messiah, who is. Lord, there's joy in the birth of Jesus because they needed a Savior. They needed salvation. And we too need to be saved. We need to be saved from our sin and from our brokenness. There's joy because Jesus is the Messiah who is the Lord. He's the one who is going to lead us with love. So the good news, the gospel starts in this, in this field, right? Outside of Bethlehem, but it, it doesn't end there. We talked about this last week, right? The gospel begins with the incarnation and it ends with the resurrection. The good news is, is started with a Savior has been born, who is God incarnate, who is Emmanuel. And it ends with, and that self-same Savior, who has led a perfect, sinless life, is going to take on not only your sin, but all of the sins of his people. And he is going to ascend a cross of his own free will, and he is going to be tortured, and he is going to die, and he is going to be buried, and he 
was going to rise again. Not only so that our sins can be imputed to Him, can be clothed on Him, but that He can clothe us with His own righteousness. And then, He's going to give us the Holy Spirit to sustain us and to enliven us and to lead us and to guide us and to be our counselor. Jesus gave us his righteousness. Jesus gave us his promise of eternal life. And he also promised to never leave or forsake us. No matter how dark the hour. This is great news. He is not just the Savior for a, a little group of people in the Middle East. He's a Savior for all of those who would be grafted into the tree of Jesse. It's not just good news for those shepherds. It's good news for us. And this is why we can live with hope and with joy and we can share the good news with others because the baby Jesus was born and it changed everything. Which leads us to the third point. There's joy on the other side. There's joy on the other side. Our celebration of Christmas time only makes sense considering that Easter is coming. The birth of Jesus that we have talked about here in chapters 1 and 2 of Luke is only the beginning of what the Savior came to do. It, if, you, if you've never read this before, if you've never heard this before, keep reading. Because it becomes clear that Jesus was born into the world so that one day he would die on the cross for our sins. But even in the midst of all that is to come, the Bible tells us that Jesus still had joy. We read in Hebrews 12, excuse me, 12, 2, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, for the joy that lay before him, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We know that Jesus suffered the cross. We, we know that he took on the shame and the humiliation of death. But we know that he did that because there was joy on the other side. There was joy ahead for him. What was the joy on the other side of Jesus' pain and death and suffering? What was that joy that kept him moving toward his own death? It was us. His joy was you and me. The joy that, that set before him was the fact that because of his sacrifice, because of what he was going to do, you and I would be given the opportunity to receive his gift of grace, to experience freedom from sin, and to spend all of eternity with him. That was Jesus' joy. 
that he held on to in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of the darkest time of his life, he had joy because he anticipated not only his resurrection, but yours too. Elizabeth and John celebrated because of what Jesus would do in saving the world. The shepherds were given good news that would cause great joy for all people. Jesus endured the cross and knew the joy that was on the other side. And one of the reasons that we enter the Christmas season with joy is because we know matter what we are experiencing right now, because of Jesus, we can look forward to joy in the future. Sometimes we can feel pressure to, to, to be joyful for the sake of being joyful. Right? Aren't you happy? Come on, sweetheart, you look better with a smile. The truth is, though, when Jesus was facing the cross, go back, read, read the prayers of Jesus in the garden. I don't think he, I don't think he felt joy. I don't think he felt joyful. I don't think Jesus went to the cross with a smile on his lips and a, and a joint, jaunty tune on his tongue. But, but he knew the joy that was coming. He, he didn't feel it in the moment, but he persevered through it because he knew the joy that was on the other side. Some of y'all know uh, the name Dwight Moody. He was a biblical scholar. He started Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Moody Church in Chicago. He wrote this, happiness is caused by things that happen around me. Circumstances will mar it. But joy, joy flows right through trouble. Joy flows through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows all through persecution and opposition. It is an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart. It's a secret spring the world can't see and doesn't know anything about. The Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. That's the first part of that verse from Hebrews chapter 12 we read, isn't it? keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the joy that we, that we have, we look to Jesus and we seek to be like him. He's the pioneer, the one that goes before us. He's also the perfecter. We'll never get there, but we follow him. And we model ourselves on him and we obey him in joy. We're tempted. I'm tempted. So I'm going I'm to put it on me. You can put it on yourself if you need to, which I think you do. I'm tempted from time to time to lose sight of where my joy comes from. It's good to have a reminder every now and again. So this, this Christmas season, I want to challenge you to make a conscious effort to celebrate with joy 
because of what the Lord has done for you. No matter what you are going through, no matter what is going on in your life today with, with family or with friends or with your job, plan a time to share joy with one another. Put together a, a family gathering where everybody does potluck and spend time laughing and sharing stories. Invite a friend over to play a board game, not Monopoly, that destroys friendships. Just ask somebody to come over and sit in front of the fire and drink hot cocoa. Maybe you have a, a neighbor down the street that needs a little joy, so you make some cookies and take them down and wish them a Merry Christmas. Maybe you share joy with somebody by letting them know where your joy comes from. That your joy comes from a full manger and an empty tomb. Tis the season. Let's share Jesus with each other. Let's pray. Dear gracious God, as we get ready to leave here today, I just pray that you would continue to be with us. That you would continue to, to enliven us and bring joy to us. That you would continue to show us who you are and what you've done for us. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is going to be